0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Trent Brown, and I am privileged to uh, open the word with you this morning um, as we look at this parable. Talk about the generosity of God this morning. Um, First of all, for the context of this parable, we need to revisit last week for just a moment. Um, Last week, Lance talked about the parable of the rich young ruler. Uh, we looked at how Jesus does actually demand things from us. He actually does demand things from us. Um, that's probably not a very um, popular statement, but it's true. We were also able to understand that according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 9, that those demands are made possible by him and through him. Um, that scripture actually says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. You get to the tail end of um, last week's parable into verse 27 of chapter 19, and you see this attitude or motive that is presented from Peter's question. It says, then Peter said in reply, uh, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Um, So a couple of questions this morning, just to start off. The first one is this, how often... Do you find yourself questioning or grumbling with God? How often do you find yourself questioning the way he's working or grumbling about something that's taking place in your life? Um, How often do we think that things aren't fair in life? Um, I know all of us think that at times, but how often does that resonate in your mind? And then thirdly, I would say, what are the things that are actually driving those questions? Uh, Could it be jealousy? Uh, Could it be envy? Um, But this morning, I want to touch on the fact that God is the one who actually initiates everything. He's the one who initiates our existence, and by his sovereign grace, he even initiates our salvation. He acts in grace towards all of us, not based on our own effort or how good or bad we've been, but on his generosity and grace through Christ. And oftentimes, we think that things don't seem fair right? We live in a world that's driven by competition and personal accolades, and we will strive to do whatever we can to end up on top, right? Regardless of what that does to somebody else. But however, this morning, we need to know and understand that the kingdom of God is different. Um, The kingdom of heaven is not built on the idea of merit, but rather on grace, That's the big kind of picture this morning. The kingdom of God is not built on the idea of merit, but rather on grace. And so the first thing this morning is the fact that God is the one who initiates. He's the one who has initiated everything, right? Uh, When you look at the very first part of the parable this morning, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and going about the third hour, he saw others standing into the marketplace, and to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. And it says, so they went. So understand this morning that that God is the one who initiates everything, just like the landowner initiated those who were coming to serve in his vineyard. Our very existence uh, was initiated by God. If you go back and look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And it says, and the man became a living creature. So even from the beginning, right, God spoke everything into existence, right, and said it was good, and then what happened? We messed it up, right? right? I mean, we, you go back to the garden, we messed it up, we jacked it all up. It's now we live in a fallen world, but God has initiated everything. God even initiated your existence. The fact that he formed a man out of the dust from the ground and breathed life into his nostrils. In Romans chapter 2 verse 4, we know and understand that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Once again, God is the initiator in that. Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Man, you who are far away, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now no one understand, you didn't have anything to do with that, did you? I didn't either. It was initiated by God himself. We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blessings of God are not earned. The good things in our lives, the joys in life, the blessings we receive, even salvation itself is not earned by us, but given to us through the sovereign grace of God. Listen, the blessings of God in your life are not earned. If you're not careful, you can fall into the teaching that you need to do this, 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 and this so that God will love you, right? That's contrary to the gospel. God loves you and meets you just the way that you are, but because of his grace, you can find faith in him, free gift, right? And then because of your faith, you will begin to show those things probably that you've listed out in your life because they're fruits of what has taken place in you, because of who he is and what he's done for us. They're not earned, right? The joys, the blessings, salvation. It's not earned by us, it's given to us through the sovereign grace of God. And so God initiates relationships with us by revealing himself to us. Our faith is not a shot in the divine darkness, but rather a response to the light of God's self-revelation. So how do we respond to the way that God is revealing himself to us? How do we respond to the fact that God is in actuality initiating everything? That in reality, we really don't have control of that, right? If he's the initiator and he's the one that sees it through, then all we can do is just respond to the way that he's revealing himself in our life. Also, I would tell you that God God gives based on grace and not merit. He acts in grace towards all of us, not based on our own effort or how good or her, or how bad we've been, but on His generosity and His grace through Christ. Right? Ephesians two eight and nine says, "You know it. For by grace, but you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing." Right, it's not you doing that list. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. I've been so good and so good, and that's why God loves me. Actually, God loves you because you were created, first and foremost, to be in a divine and intimate relationship with him. And then secondly, with each other as the body of Christ. But you've been saved by grace through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, and it's not a result of your works. Why? So that no one can boast about it. Isn't it interesting how we often boast about our works in the Lord? Notice the attitude and the motive that we see in this parable beginning in verse 8 and see if it resonates with something that possibly you heard last week in the parable of the rich young ruler. Verse 8, it says, And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. You know the story. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, it says, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. And we've we've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And he replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. That's pretty heavy. (laughs) Take what belongs to you and go, I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I, not, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first to last. So we could, we could resonate with that this morning in the fact that... Um, Maybe we get paid hourly, we've been on the job all day long, working hard, maybe you're outside in the scorching heat, um, you know, thirsty, tired, and here comes somebody that comes in for the last hour of the day, and when it comes time to get paid, that person gets paid the same amount that you got paid, and you've been there all day laboring, doing what you had to do. That would be real easy to get upset about, would it not? I think we would all agree that we'd be like, what in the world is going on? Like, I've been doing this, right? I've been doing this the whole time, and yet this person comes in, and, and, and now this is happening, and they're getting the same thing that I've labored and toiled for all day long. Life isn't fair. It's just not fair. I'm not sure we really want what we actually deserve when we look in the scriptures. And we'll get to that in a minute. But in life, have you ever been in a place where you're screaming because of the scenarios that are playing out, and you're just wondering why blessing upon blessing is happening to somebody else, and you're, you can't move from the place that you're at, and you just keep doing what you've been called to do. And you just don't understand. And you're like, it's just not fair, it's not fair. Well, here's the deal. God's grace often doesn't look fair. (laughs) You gotta know and understand that. God's grace doesn't necessarily look fair. God's call comes at different times and is not based on the goodness of our life, but on his redemptive plan and his glory. Listen, God's call on on your life, on somebody else's life. It it, it all comes at different times. And here's the deal. It's not based on how good you are. It's not based on the goodness of your life, but on his redemptive plan and his glory. I mean, are you good enough to really save yourself? No. Are are you good enough to actually live in accordance with all of the law? No. The law is, is like a mirror that shows us and reflects back to us the magnitude of our sin. And that's when we begin to understand what what we really deserve. Kevin DeYoung makes this statement. He says, when you look at life through the lenses of fairness, you will always feel like you've been put in last place when you deserve first. But when you look through the glasses of grace, you will know the joy and the freedom of feeling like you've been given first place even though you deserve last. So, what glasses are you looking through? I actually have to wear glasses or I couldn't see what I'm reading to you currently. So glasses are pretty important for me, for certain things in life. But when we start looking at the idea of um, looking at life through a biblical worldview, we need to begin to understand how we look and engage the world around us, right? We start talking about a biblical worldview, you start thinking about, okay, what's, you know, who is God? What has he created? Um, who, what is a human, and what happens to, to humans at death, and, and the whole morality? Like, how do we know anything at all? Well, it's because God even gives us the capacity to understand anything. And then, how do we know right from wrong? Well, a biblical worldview would be because of it, based on the character of God as being uh, good, holy, and loving. And then, this idea of what is history and what does that look like, and how does it play out in our life. So no not understand that God is the one who initiates it all, like I said, even to the fact that he's even the one that gives you the capacity to have any kind of knowledge to understand who he is and what he's doing in your life. I mean, it's amazing, but when you look at the, so when we look at life through the lens of fairness, um, like, life isn't fair, right? It's just not fair. You will always feel like you've been put in last place. Because let's be honest, we always feel like we should, be, we should be on the top, right? We should be good to go. We've done it all. We've done what we need to do, and so we're good. But you feel like you deserve first. But when you look through the glasses of grace, when you begin to understand that everything that's been given to you has first and foremost been initiated by God himself, and you're looking through the lenses of grace, then and only then do you begin to understand the joy and the freedom of feeling like you've been given first place when you know you deserve last place. So I'm 49, and in my 49 years what I've come to realize is that I still have a lot to learn. Right? I, the more and more I read scripture, the more I realize I still have work to do. He still wants more from me. He still longs for there to me to be more from me. And so I want to know and understand that he he longs to use me. And here's the deal that you've got to wrestle with. If God chooses to bless and give to one and not the other, it is his right to do so. That's the part of the scripture that, that really no one likes to read, no one wants to hold on to, um, but he has mercy on whom he has mercy, and compassion on whom he has compassion. In Romans 9, you see he, in verse 15, it says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. He'll have mercy on whom he has mercy. Compassion on whom he has compassion. And it doesn't depend on human will or exertion, but on God. God is the one who shows mercy, right? He's the one who initiates it all, this gift of grace. And so in all of that, here's what I want you to know and understand, that God is more worried. God is more worried about your availability than your ability. God is more worried about your availability than your ability. Right, you go back to the parable in around verse 6. It says, in about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said, what? No one's hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. <laughs> They're in a, a state of availability. They had gone to the marketplace to hopefully um, be chosen, if you will, for a day's wage so they could provide for their families. And once again, in the initiation of the the landowner, he goes out and asks the question, why do you stand here all day? And they said, we're just just waiting for somebody to hire us. I I just want to work, right? I just want to work. What a beautiful place to be. Like, that's the state of dependency. Like I'm dependent on somebody else. That's where we have to be. We have to know and understand that we're dependent on the goodness of God. We're dependent on his truth, on his beauty, on his goodness, on his grace. We're dependent upon him just so we can be available so he can say, come to the vineyard too. And I know you're getting here late, but you're still going to get a day's wage. You're still going to get what I promised to the others. And that doesn't seem fair, right? We've talked about that. Like, what in the world? Case in point, the thief on the cross. Right? How often in church do we claim our own accolades and say, we've done this, we've done this. We've been doing this forever. I've been doing this forever, and what you're telling me is that guy can wait till his last moment? Well, he became available, didn't he? Did it have anything to do with his ability? No. He was available. He got to the point to where he was available, and he was given life because of it. So God is a whole lot more worried about your availability than your ability. Listen, the workers had hope, even the ones that were brought into the vineyard in the late hours of the day. If you remember in the the scriptures, you know that Jesus did miracles uh, with the little things that he had, whether it was turning water into wine, feeding thousands with a few fish and a couple loaves of bread, or opening the eyes of the blind with a little spit and some mud. Jesus trusted God to show up and take care of the rest. And that should be encouragement for us. I like to talk about the fact of, of The call in our life to be obedient to the small things. God calls us to be obedient to the small things, and when we're obedient to the small things, he'll begin to give us other things and bigger things. But you have to be obedient to the small things. So if we'll be obedient to what God is asking us to do, how God is revealing himself into our life, right? Our faith is not just a a divine shot in the dark like we talked about, but it's responding to the light of Christ in our lives. If we'll be obedient to those things, we kind of create this backdrop, if you will, for God, the King of kings, the Almighty, to come in and finish the masterpiece. But you've got to be available. You've got to be able to step and say, I'm here. Send me, right? I I just want to be available, I don't want to brag about my availability. I don't want to say that I'm better than anybody else because of my availability or my ability. He just wants you to be available. That's it. Because here's the truth. He's initiated the whole plan from the beginning. It's got nothing to do with you or me. It has everything to do with his glory, his name, his fame. It's all about him. It's not about you, it's not about me, as much as we'd like it to be, it's not. Sorry, you probably didn't want to hear it, but that's the truth. And God will choose to have mercy on who has mercy, compassion on who has mercy. It has nothing to do with us. He's the one initiating. You go back to Matthew chapter 4, right, we've been in Matthew a long time, but we get a glimpse into the way that Jesus chose his first disciples, Right? No one made an appointment, no one had an interview, no one labored over a resume. That's what we have to do today when we want a job, right? You got to make an appointment, you got to have a resume, you got to have an interview, you got to go through all of those things. Here's what happened back then. He invited, and guess what? They went. He invited, and they went. What is God inviting you to today and he's waiting for you to go? to step into obedience. Here's the deal. God's God's initiated it from the beginning. It's his plan. Listen, Simon and Andrew were an unlikely pick for ministry. They were uneducated. They were rough in appearance and probably rough in speech. But what they did have was availability. They had a willing spirit. They were willing to just say yes. Why are you still out here all day just waiting for somebody to hire us? I just want to say yes. I just want to say yes. That's that's all I want to do. Well, okay, come into the vineyard. Availability trumps ability every time. Availability trumps ability every time. We are most effective for God when we are available to God. You're most effective for God when you are available to God, right? And we're a- we are able because of what He has already done in us and-, and for us. When you look in John chapter 15 verse 16, it says, you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Listen, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You remember growing up and they were picking teams at recess? Somebody chose you, right? And you, you never really wanted to be the last person. Like if you were the first one picked, you were like, yeah, that's me, I'm the first one. But here's the deal. Um, God, He says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. I've chosen you. I've appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Church, we just have to be available. We just have to be available. You don't really have to have a whole lot of ability, you just need to be available. Listen, Jesus knew what he was doing when he called and and chose his disciples, and he knows what he is doing when he is calling you. Don't, Don't question. Don't grumble against. He knows what he's doing. Like, who are we as the clay to talk back to the potter? He is creating and molding you into how he wants you to be. That's why we call it progressive sanctification. He has done everything to prepare us for the work that he has created us to do, and we already have all we need to carry it out. Listen, here's some good information for you. Not that the other's been bad information. It's just been heavy, right? And you have to wrestle with the fact that you may think life isn't fair, And you may think you deserve a whole lot more. But if you read the scriptures, we all know and understand what we actually deserve because of the wages of our sin is what? Is death. But praise be to God for what he's done for us. But Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, for we are his what? His workmanship. We are his workmanship. And you've been created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So if you are his workmanship, you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Remember that list you were talking about? Those usually happen once we find salvation. We respond to the way that Jesus is revealing himself into our life. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand. And why? So that we would walk in them. So that we would actually walk in what we know. Like, will we walk in what we know? Will you walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel? Second Peter chapter one, verse three through eight says this. His divine power, whose divine? His, right? His power. Does it say your power? No, it says his divine power has granted to us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very good promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And that should make you shout that you've been given life. You have everything pertaining to life and godliness because of who he is and what he's done for you. I can't make that statement on my own. I'm not good enough, but I can stand on who he is and what he's done. And it says in verse five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we not be ineffective or unfruitful. May we get to a place that we are available, knowing that our ability is probably not where it needs to be, but we will make ourselves available. Man, we just want to work. I I just want somebody to hire me. I just want to come into the vineyard. I just want to make a day's wage. Listen, is your life like that in the pursuit of who God is? Like, are you so in love with the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of God that you are willing to do whatever you need to do so that you can just be available? You can just be available. God, I just want to be available. I'm not real able. I just want to be available. So the question this morning is simply this. How will you respond to the way that God is revealing himself to you? What obedient action step is he asking you to take? Are you willing to honestly say, God, I'm available. I'm available. Why? Because I know you're the one who has created it all. You've initiated everything. You've actually breathed life into man. You've given me existence. You've given me purpose. And your word says it's the kindness of our God who leads me to repentance. And it's because of your free gift of grace, that I can have salvation, has, have significance and purpose in life. Because when I read the scriptures, I honestly see what I actually deserve. These are all popular statements we're saying this morning. Everybody's gonna leave all happy because we deserve death. I'm just being honest with you, it's hard. When you look at the word of God and read it for what it is, it will punch you in the face at times. And that's okay. So, concerning the kingdom, what if we actually got what we deserved? What if we actually got what we deserved? Or what if we understood the magnitude of the depravity of our human condition and what the consequences are of that, apart from the sovereign grace of God? And listen, we may scream at different scenarios in life claiming that they aren't fair, but I am thankful for a God who claims us and redeems us based on his sovereign grace rather than the wages of my sin. I hope that you're thankful, too, for a God who claims you and redeems you based on his grace rather than the wages of your sin. And listen, we can also rejoice in the fact that God's call comes at different times and is not based on the goodness of our life, but on his redemptive plan and his glory. Just like the worker who labored for just a short time, God just wants your availability. He just wants your availability. That's where we are. So the question, once again, is simply this, how will you respond to the way that God is revealing himself to you? Are you actually in a state of dependence upon him? And I just, I just want to be hired. I just want to work. I just want to be a part in the vineyard. I just want to provide for my family. I just, I just want to be available. And the reason I'm willing to be available is because it's not based on my merit. It's not based on what I can do. It's based on everything that you can do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I ask this morning that you would help us to wrestle with this question of how we respond to you. God, we're so thankful that you are the one who initiates that your kingdom is based on grace and not merit. God, even though things may not seem fair at times, we're thankful for who you are and what you do. And so, God, we ask that you would just be with us for the remainder of this service as we reflect and respond on your goodness. It's truly for the praise of your glory that we pray. Amen.